Rumors of oil's demise have been greatly exaggerated on this energy edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly here at Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. It is Thursday, October 8th, 2015, and joining me are the men, the myths, the legends, Tyler Crow and Taylor Mark. Back to being We're myths back. and legends again. Yep. This show is the only reason why I know what day of the week it is. Really? Yeah. That's kind of sad. <laughs> one day a week. That's I really know. sad. <laughs> you guys aren't the only because this is my only day in the office, like one day a yeah, week too. You, so everybody you, comes in like, oh, it must be you, Thursday. You leave Tyler's your whole one day a week to come in here <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and grace us with your presence. <laughs> um, we've got a lot to talk about today, including Vegas casinos going to war over electricity, oil mergers starting to get hostile, and the recent modest rise in the price of crude oil. But first, we wanted everybody to know that our fantasy stock picks made on our September 7th show are in no way influenced by insider betting. Yeah, um, I, I, so just to give everybody an update, actually it was September 9th, sorry to throw you under the bus. You're on killing me, one, man. Sean. But, we uh, came in here and I was like, oh, what day, what show is that? Oh, my like, gosh, oh I think it was yeah. the 7th. Uh, yeah, they'll end up on like a healthcare, healthcare yeah. show and go, what the heck is this? But on <laughs> September 9th, we did an entire show dedicated to fantasy drafts. Um, you can actually go back and listen to that one and you can get a sense of what's been going on, but just to let everybody know, none of this has anything to do with FanDuel or DraftKings. We are not under any investigations whatsoever. We, despite we, our results. We wish we were, yeah, but we're despite not. Despite our results. <laughs> yeah, so we're actually doing pretty well. How are we doing? Uh, let me just pull it so up. So we each selected three stocks. We selected uh, our, our number one selection was yeah. uh, Core Holding. Then we had uh, Then we had the... The Hail Mary type the crazy Hail Mary, shot. Like, yeah, your long distance wide receiver and then your extreme value pick was the third. Got it. So, your, was Silver Wheaton your extreme value? That was my extreme okay. value pick. All right. So, Tyler, you got oh, it for us here? It is not coming. Here, here we go. Ready. Uh, leading right now is Taylor. He no. uh, His average return is 14.7% over the past There's a month. bit of an outlier there, though. Uh, isn't thanks it? to that a- position. I wouldn't use the word average. Thanks. <laughs> well, I'm the only person with all three picks oh, in the green. Yeah. Oh, uh, his, I'm his, down by like 2% on one of them. I'm not even his gonna... big winner is, of course, Silver Wheaton. Sean's coming in at second place with a 9.2% return, and I'm trailing behind with a 4.5% return. However, if you want to put it in context... We're up pretty good over one month. Yeah, I, we the uh, decent portfolio. Anybody, a one uh, month, a four percent return in one month is pretty damn good. Let, let it be known, we are we are wizards of capital allocation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the recent oil price it is, spike is uh, we're, we're, our draft was well timed. Uh, full disclosure, folks, we're actually all just really stinking lucky. Like we <laughs> we had we hey. done this fantasy draft pick. Oh, I don't know, eight months ago, we would all be. Hilariously, well, we might be beating. We might be beating the index. Sometimes yeah. it's like better we to right be now. lucky than good. That's that right. is exactly right. Well, uh, first segment here before we uh, get into the the meaty stories, I guess, is uh, oil's back uh, a little bit. It's actually only five dollars a barrel. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but up from forty five is yeah. a decent move. No, it's uh, given fifty dollars a barrel a high five right now. Um, why? Like what? Here's, here's Tyler's going to be sitting over here like markets do that, Sean. What are you but talking about? Here's one of the things that I find absolutely fascinating, and I'm sure Taylor and you have seen this before. But there are these price points that are built into like trader schemes or whatnot, and once certain price levels are breached, you see these buying sprees go across yep. the board. And if we if you watched oil stocks this week, you know a lot have gone up ten, twenty percent on these moves. And it all had to do with the fact that Brent crude – well, not all, 
mostly. Uh, a you lot of it had to do. <laughs> a lot of it had to do with breaking that fifty dollars price point, as if four forty nine dollars and ninety nine cents. These companies aren't making that much more money. Well, but it's it, like that when you say more. traders, you really mean algorithms. Yes, yeah. a lot of percent of trading on the New York Stock Exchange is actually computers. I can't validate that, but it wouldn't surprise me. Throwing money. Yeah, at each so other. They, yeah. I think the computers see fifty yeah. fifty dollars and they they hop on it. Not to men, not to say that that's all it is, but yeah. there's a, a lot of going yeah, on. Yeah, a good chunk of it. So you know, there's that that theory of fifty dollars and one cents is you know makes a company ten percent more valuable yeah. than forty nine dollars and ninety nine cents. There are some fundamental reasons absurd. for this modest little pop we had. They're, you had a production drop. You had a draw. I think it cushioned well, or something. It didn't drop. The growth. The growth, growth slowed. Dropped. Oh well, yeah, fine. The production value did not drop, but fine. the growth slowed. Yes. Um. So yeah, I don't know. But the, well, you see, uh, EOG CEO George Papa. I think is his first name. Uh, no, I don't believe he's CEO. Not anymore. anymore. He's still he's with chairman. the company. Chairman. Yeah, yeah. Chairman. Sorry. Excuse me. Um, he said that he believes oil. Production, the overall production number will will stall this month and decline early next year, and then you look at globally or in the U.S. In the U.S., okay. so we're like, I guess you know, we've been called the the new swing producer instead of right. OPEC, and so that that has a, a little bit of a bearing on it, I think. Um, and then you look at this is the highest price since late August, which is only a few months, but late right. August wasn't the best time to be invested in oil, um, and even though inventories came in a little higher than expected. People still look at this in the next few months, and if if Papa's right, then you know we could be in a good position to start examining oil stocks again. But I'm remaining on the fence. The reason why I probably didn't invest in some of the stocks that we drafted when we did is because October's October's reevaluation of credit lines is right around the corner. Yeah, coming in, coming in so hot. Yeah, they're actually saying it's going to be way worse than. I'm holding off. Everybody until thought. This. Yeah. So um, there are some predictions that are saying that these October credit re- renewals are going to reduce people's credit lines by about 40 percent. So we're looking at a big cut there. And if you want to take anything away from the big picture when it comes to oil prices nowadays is that just about any way you shake it, you can build a bull and a bear case almost as equally strong right now. And so it makes things that much more unpredictable. If you know, if you want to go on the bull case, you can say that U.S. production is starting to decline. Um, we've seen some meetings between Saudi Arabia and Russia in terms of Excess capacity, even at OPEC, price, yep. super low. Like that. And even the news story broke this morning that uh, Saudi Arabia itself was actually going to start cutting some of its social program spending oh, because that's... of low oil prices. So, you know, there's starting to get that pressure on OPEC nations. But then again, you can just take the bearish case on the other end is that um, – you know, oil production can ramp up very fast in the United States. Yeah, well, there's a lot of wells of that. that are drilled; they're just not fracked yet. And then you also have the looming case of what's going to happen when Iran starts to uh, pump back up. It, Libya just announced that they have secured a port and they can start exporting again. So you can look at it from both sides, and you can make a convincing argument either way. So don't, you know, look at just one story and say, "Oh yeah, U.S. production is going down, oil's going back up, yep. baby," because there there are so many factors that you need to take into right. account. Cool. Very don't good. don't let some of these twenty to twenty five percent price spikes leave you feeling antsy and feeling like, like you got you left the on the sideline. You, you you might get your your chance here in the next month or so. Got it. Very good. Moving on to uh, our next segment, Vegas casinos are fighting to buy their own electricity, according to the Wall Street Journal. 
Um, Tyler, you kind of took the Warren Buffett's big utility bet is looking a little shakier because of this, because I, I guess he owns the utility there in Nevada. Actually, he bought it last year. Yes, he, if I'm uh, wrong. Yeah. I believe it was last year, maybe a little bit earlier. But uh, Nevada, it's, you regulated utilities, NV Energy. It was bought up by uh, Mid-American Energy Holdings. Mid-American, yeah. which has now become Berkshire Hathaway Energy because it is such an all-encompassing yeah. uh, utility company nowadays. But basically what's happening is you've got hotel owners uh, such as Wynn Resorts, MGM, you know, the, the really large hotels in the, on the Las Vegas Strip, talking about places like the Bellagio and stuff, stuff like that. They are looking to actually purchase power wholesale from solar providers and a lot of other you know, solar projects. And we've seen a couple companies do this as of late. You know, companies like Apple, uh, Google has even done some Well, and they're, they're in the right part of the country to be buying a bunch of solar. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no doubt. Nevada yeah. was the front runner for large-scale yeah. solar operations. And so it's starting with that. That's actually all, the Las Vegas Strip, particularly Wynn and MGM. Like those two companies, based on their Las Vegas holdings, represent about 5% of – Total Nevada energy is. Oh my God! It's <laughs> a lot of slot machines. Maybe they'll be. Maybe they'll, they'll lower the rake percentage when they start Good saving some Lord. money. So, so one of the fears is that for somebody like NV Energy, that decline is going to, you know, obviously lead to lower that's returns 5%, yeah. and something I mean, like that's... that. And it, it, you know, some people are wondering, could this be a model that is applied elsewhere? And that is possible. And this seems like an isolated case, though. Like there's, <laughs> and you could you could say that to a certain degree. But here is my one take: when I looked at the NV Energy buy that Warren Buffett made last year, the regulated utility aspect of it was nice. You know, good, pretty steady cash flows. Might take a little bit of a hit here because of this. Also, keep in mind. Uh, uh, Wind Resorts and MGM, unless they want to build all their own electricity grid to deliver from these projects, they still have to buy, you know, use the transmission right. uh, from NV Energy. But if you look at what NV Energy has been investing in over the past couple of years, it has been major interstate transmission lines into the state of California. And one of the big moves that they're trying to make is actually supplying alternative energy to California, which pay a much higher rate. Uh, California utility rates are much, much higher than those in Nevada. And so it, it almost seems like Warren Buffett's going back to that toll booth approach. Says you he's, know, he's arbitraging here. That's basically, what's going on. You know, he's got all of these wind projects in the Midwest <laughs> yeah. and all these solar projects that could go up in Nevada. And then you own the toll booth that goes into California, and it a you know, state that perennially runs out of power in, in yeah. the yeah. crucial so, times of the summer. Yeah, you know, I'm not. I'm not worried about Warren Buffett and his NV Energy Holdings simply because of right. this Las Vegas, uh, this strip sort of move. When you talk about those hotels' power usage, I was out there a couple times in the last month or so, and I What'd started you do? to think. <laughs> well, one time I did what I actually enjoy going to Vegas for, is to fly in and get the hell out of there. Like, <laughs> go, go hiking outside of Las Vegas. The other time was for a bachelor party, but I started thinking, how many countries does Las Vegas produce or consume more power than and i'm, I'm guessing it's, it's well over 50 percent. i mean there's 190 192 countries in the world 10 or 20 for I'm, sure i'm thinking it's over 50 percent. <laughs> i keep meaning to look few. that up yeah. yeah just a little side dot jeez but you know it's an interesting thing it, the, the one i guess you could say broader scope topic that makes this sort of story a small aspect of it is the the disruption of the utility space you know 10 20 years ago this is something that almost was a non-starter. You would never see companies going to um, buy their own power wholesale. You wouldn't have seen uh, the 
residential solar boom that we've started to see in the United States here with companies like SolarCity, um, uh, even Solar, things like that. You know, the the regulatory environment that has changed and the ability to generate localized power in an efficient manner has really changed the way that you know you have to think about the utility space in a certain way. You know, the the tried and true method of building a giant power plant that. Making and then, making ten percent returns on yeah, the capital that's been invested. You're going to piping go. that electricity miles and miles away, which at the time seemed like the most efficient thing because for fossil generated facilities, scale is what matters. You know that's the yeah. way that you get your yeah, you, efficiency. You're not going to be dropping off oil and natural gas and coal at thousands yeah, of every different neighborhood facilities, or something yeah. like that. So you know that that's that scale aspect made it efficient, but then you had the transmission losses. But at the time, it's what worked. However, with the technology that we have today, it really makes you think: How are we going to power the future? Because with these technologies disrupting the way that we're looking at it, you, you almost have to rethink. Are utilities best suited for power generation, or are they more the you know the facilitator of the exchange through the grid? Right. You, you mentioned a company like Apple, and I think Facebook is along with along the same lines where they're committed to generating all their own power renewably in the next decade or so, maybe even sooner. Wow. I don't know the exact information. Got the, solar the panels data, on their buildings. Well, that and then you know yeah, solar geothermal. They're all they're all trying to figure out when buying wholesale power buy, projects. Yeah, exactly. Google's doing a lot. In that yeah. Google as well, as well and. Um, and then you look at a company like eBay. I read several months back they're working with a company like Oramat Technologies, which is a traditionally uh, utility scale geothermal uh, manufacturer, like producer. They build the p- facilities to to generate power. A lot of international projects, but they're actually instead of cooling the server rooms at an eBay facility, they're just sucking the hot air out and using that oh, as gosh. an above ground geothermal facility to pa- completely power this server f- the server farm for eBay out in California. It's a completely enclosed system. Exactly. Cool. Before we move on, I wanted to point our listeners to the newly redesigned Focus.Fool.com. There you'll discover a special offer to join the Motley Fool's Stock Advisor newsletter for all industry-focused listeners. All loyal IF listeners have access to a special discount on Stock Advisor that works out to $129 for a full two-year subscription. Just go to Focus.Fool.com to take advantage of this offer. Once again, that is Focus.Fool.com. And moving on to our uh, next topic, I'm really anxious to get your thoughts on this, Taylor. Um, Suncor <laughs> Energy is making a hostile bid for uh, Canadian oil sands. Well, it wasn't always so hostile. They, they came at him last they March. They used to be with, friends. Well, yeah, they came at him last ago. March with a bid, and they, they went back and forth a little bit. And Canadian oil sands obviously rebuffed them. And then um, just last week, I think. Did they not want week, to sell when oil was low or like what? Like, well, there's, I think oils, Canadian oil sands. They've seen their their stocks sell off almost fifty percent this yeah. year, and um, they they have a large stake, the largest stake in a company called Syncrude in in Canada, which is the largest single source producer of oil uh, in Canada. It's all Canadian oil sands produced. It's not the largest producer, but the single site production is the largest in Canada, and uh, and Suncor also has a small stake, 12%, compared to, I think, um, Canadian Oil Sands has almost 40%, 36.7% stake. So, And just for, listen, the Syncrude project is a project, it's basically like an upgrader. So you have Oil Sands, yep. which is this, this bitumen, it's pretty, pretty heavy, it's not yeah. really usable as is, and the Syncrude project is basically a large facility that upgrades it to uh, through a refining process to make it it's a more usable crude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they're also... Of the Canadian, you think of Canadian oil sands 
projects, not the company, but just oil sands in Canada is very dirty. And, and Syncrude has been doing a lot for the environment up there. They've been refurbishing ex-oil uh, sands project land up to thousands of hectares with with uh, you know trees and vegetation. And so they've been rehabilitating a lot of land up there, doing some things for the environment. Unlike a lot of other companies up there, yeah. they're just completely they just leave it. Yeah, they they they're in and they're out. Um, and so now Canadian oil sands has turned back the offer. It was I think it was six point six billion. Stock popped over forty five percent on the day. Oh jeez. Um, but they they instituted another poison pill. Uh, I won't get into the details. Cause I don't know them fully, but it's basically yeah. just a uh, uh, way for the company to kind of re kind of push off a hostile bid such as this if a company takes a 20% stake or more. Um, they already had one poison pill, and so they instituted the second one just the other day. Suncor has the deal open until early December. Did they offer uh, mostly cash and stock? It was all stock. It they get a stock, quarter yeah. share of Suncor so, stock for one share of Canadian oil sands, and the dividend jumps by 50% from $0.05 cents a share to 7.5 cents a share. Um, but you're losing some of that direct exposure to oil because Suncor is more right. diversified. So, uh, in your opinion, you know, if it's an all stock deal, then obviously the they Canadian Sands would get you know any a lot a decent amount of the upside if the deal makes sense. My question is, does the deal make sense to you? Well, if you look at it between the two shares, Suncor hasn't sold off nearly as badly, so their okay. their shares are, are a little bit more highly valued than Canadian Oil Sands. So, so you might sounds- be losing a little bit of that dilution. You might be losing a little bit of that upside because shares might not have as oh, high a rise. Yeah. Um, and so Ian Butler, our chief investment advisor in Canada, is a Canadian Oil Sands shareholder. And he's so he's, he's, a, little, he's day, a little obviously. on the fence. Well, he's not made completely whole yet because the, yeah. the, the shares have slid for longer than just this year. So he's hoping that the bidding war starts. Uh, and one of the companies that he mentioned was Imperial Oil because they also own a, a bigger stake than Suncor in Syncrude. So maybe they want that access. And they're also they're the operator uh, of Syncrude. So maybe they want that. They, maybe they want that greater uh, percentage all to themselves. So he, that's what he's hoping for, anyways. He wanted that direct exposure to oil for the next decade or so. So he's a little on the fence, maybe even leaning towards not letting it go through. Now, did you Motley Fool Canada guys see anything like this coming? <laughs> no, I mean, you know, we've been waiting just like in the U.S. There's no big M and A deals in the producer space. Other, than, I mean, you had Halliburton and Baker. We had Hughes Rosetta. And, you know, no Rosetta. That's not a big. So, well, no, that was my joke. That yeah. was my point. Like it was so small. Like well, we, I mean, we just had anything. Energy Transfer in Williams. That was that was a big one. That's making, true. Yeah. Making what the fifth largest energy yeah. company. You know, no, consolidating all of the subsidiary yeah. MLPs mm-hmm. together makes the fifth largest energy company in the world. That was actually slated to be a hostile takeover for a little while there because uh, Williams Company rebuffed at $48 billion and then Energy Transfer says, well, we really like this, so we might you know, <laughs> just start buying your shares anyways. Yeah. So, you know, it, obviously the deal went through and, you know, it's we have been seeing a lot of resistance from companies saying we can still make it. And I think it still has to go back to the fact that they can still get pretty cheap debt capital. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've seen some MLPs in the space still getting, you know, five six percent loans. Uh, even and those are junk nine. rated bonds. Like, yeah. yeah. So when you're getting that kind of kind of capital at that cheap of thing, you're not going to want to sell that much because you don't have to. Right. Um, it, perhaps in, in these coming months, if we do see these big edit, uh, cr- credit. Um, we'll see if they want to make a deal we'll after October. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to the table and talk. Uh, interesting comment on M and A front. Uh, Weatherford International CEO, a big oil services company, um, said that this has been the steepest cut cost decline, uh, cuts in costs yeah. um, since 1999. And um, 
he believes that only two other I don't know if he means two other oil service companies in North America besides Weatherford or two two oil service companies in North America including Weatherford will will, will survive this cuz due to consolidation so wow. he's expecting a lot more M&A How in, many are in, there right now? Well you've got Halliburton consolidating with Baker Hughes. Yeah, I'm not sure okay. if he bumps Schlumberger into that because they are international. Yeah. Um so it could just be Halliburton and Weatherford uh, as the two the two big dogs in North America, uh, I am ever so slightly skeptical of Weatherford. Just simply, <laughs> I mean, I have what too. happened back in I September? They they decided they wanted to issue a billion dollars in equity, yeah. and their stock plummeted more than ten percent in the day. And they issued that you know advertisement in the morning, and then by close of business, they said, "No, we're not doing it." Yeah. Oh my! Completely retracted. Did the stock recover? No. Why? Well, well, would, so would, would you? If you no, were that you stock? can't trust them. No. <laughs> Uh-oh. So when you see a company it's an interesting comment, that quickly, yeah. they burned them, and we're not buying their stuff. That's right. Cool. Well, thanks for your thoughts, guys. Yep. We'll see you next have week. A good one. Indeed. If you are a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool dot com. Again, that is industryfocus at fool dot com. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. For Taylor Muckerman and Tyler Crow, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening and full on.